A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to yet another exciting edition of Plank of the Week. And here's the plank. Uh, I've got with me today two stalwarts of the business that we are in, uh, which is, of course, talking for a living. Emily Carver, uh, a commentator, a woman of the world, um, man about town, woman about town, I suppose you should say, of indeterminate gender. Uh, Mark Dolan also here, uh, drive time host this week of, uh, of Talk Radio, but also a uh, man of many parts. Um, should we start off with you, Emily? There's been lots of plankery this week. I mean, it just gets ridiculous. People keep tweeting me saying, you might have to start doing this every day. Now, my first nomination is... Prince Harry. I normally go for Meghan because <laughs> she winds me up so much. But this time it's got to be uh, Harry or, uh, well, formerly known as Prince Harry. Yes. I guess he's no longer known as that in uh, most of the country's eyes. But it's I call be- him the Duke of Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> How much are they getting paid for that? Well, I'm not sure. But I mean, until they said they were going to do a, a reality show. I thought they're not going to make much money now. But the reality show of sort of, you know, at home with the uh, Kardashians starring <laughs> Meghan and Harry. I mean, they might make a bit of money out of that. Well, I mean, I'm one of the saddos who will watch it, even though I despise them. But anyway, mm. the reason... Well, his, his legal status has changed because he was officially prince. Now he's just hostage. Yes. I mean, watching those videos in which, I mean, he's dead behind the eyes. He's clearly trapped in... Some kind He's of, also dead you know. between the ears. Imagine them, right? yeah. imagine them sort of rehearsing the lines before he goes live, because she's always looking up at him like, yes, yeah. yes, very good. I love when she looks at yeah. him like this. That's exactly it. I mean, he, he might be in I'm love. I mean, I would be worried. If someone's looking at me like that, I'd be going, oh, I'm out of here. Well, that's it. That's he, why I said, you know, when yeah, they built the wall around their last house, that mm. wasn't to keep people out. That was to keep him in. Of course you it know, was. In case he yeah. escaped. No, I think we're going to have to send in the SAS and get the poor guy out I at some so, point. But anyway, the reason why he's my plank of the week this week, or at least a nomination, is because of the interview he did with the Evening Standard. Oh, yes. With his lovely wife, Megan. In order to protect his own privacy, of course. <laughs> he gives another interview. Anyway, what did he talk about? He called for an end to structural racism Mm. in the UK. Yeah, we're all for that. He said that the world was made by white people for white people, which I thought sounded a little bit racist, to be honest. Quite racist, I don't remember that in the book of Genesis. Also, he's actually been to Africa, right? It's not that white in Africa. You know, if he thinks that the white people made Africa... He's really not getting that one right, is he? (laughs) No, and also as a member of the royal family, he has benefited somewhat from the kind of imperialist history of this country. He really has. So it's a bit late for an apology now. It really is. And he's so representative of the sort of self-loathing the Brit, which is uh, Mm. bizarre coming from a royal. But anyway, he he also decided to talk about London Mm. and how it's not diverse if you happen to walk down the road or you don't notice its diversity. I was like, what planet are you living on? Maybe he's just walking down King's Road. Yeah, no, I think so. Even then you find King's 
Kings Road's quite diverse, to be honest. I mean, I don't think there's any part of London that you would describe as not diverse. Maybe inside the walls of Buckingham Palace is not <laughs> yeah, very diverse. I think that's about it. And Meghan, of sure as hell, doesn't know, does she? She really doesn't. <laughs> I mean, she really has completely ruined him. I mean, in a way, I mean, we've all had friends who have fallen victim to the wrong kind of girlfriend, right? Oh, yeah. And you always end up having the same conversation with them, you know, years later. I don't know what I was thinking, you know... I don't know why. I'm really sorry. You know, I'm sorry that we didn't invite you to the wedding. You know, I'm sorry we couldn't get you, you know, over for dinner. You know, I can't believe I was with her for so long. It's all that. And you know that's the conversation he's going to be having with his mates at some but, point. But I think um, Trevor Phillips um, described him perfectly in a column for The Times. He said he sounds like a sort of 1980s polytechnic professor who's trying to get his head around what structural racism means. Right. But I think the British public is so sick of this sort of I don't know what you'd call it. It's just these sort of gibberish that yeah. these people are coming well, out with all the time. He's living in America now. Now, if he walks out onto Hollywood Boulevard, he might find that there's quite a lot of structural racism in America. Yeah. So maybe he should address himself to that. Maybe she should address herself to inviting her dad round for Christmas so that he can actually meet his first grandson well, before, be she, nice. starts, yeah. before yeah. she starts lecturing us on, you know, <laughs> do, do you know family what? values. If you've been to, I don't know, the Costa del Sol or other parts of Southern Europe, but all Harry has become is just another embarrassing expat. It's true. You know, he's not having egg and chips in the uh, Cafe Del Mar. No, that wouldn't be allowed. <laughs> That's not vegan enough, is it? Let's be honest. But I think, you know, he's there um, and he's lobbing these grenades in our direction from the luxury of his Hollywood mansion. Mm. And it's just not a good look. It's actually very, very sad. And I honestly don't know what has happened to this guy. It feels like his audience is not the world. It's not the UK. It's not black people or white people. It's that rather controlling woman sat next to him at all times, yeah. you know. And uh, he's just desperate to please her and say all of the right things. And it cannot go on forever. They I mean, really can't. You know, he has paid such a price already, both in, in terms of his own popularity, uh, his position within the royal family, his constitutional role. Um, and, and by the way, he's also seems to have lost his brother as well, which is the ultimate yeah. price. Yeah. And his sense of humour. You know, that one mm. thing that holds all British people together, which is that we are very good at taking the mickey out of each other and ourselves. And we see the funny side. But he's done that thing. And this happens to a lot of friends of mine who went and lived in America, as I did, married American women. They suddenly lost their sense of humour. That's exactly you know? it. He's completely lost his sense yeah. of humour. And what was so jarring about this particular interview was that it came out on the same day as, the, as it was being reported that only 9% of white underprivileged kids were going to university and you know they'd showed that actually ethnic minorities are doing better in that respect in a lot of cases and it was just like Harry just like actually look at where we are in this country and stop trying to tear people apart and also by the way where did you think you got the right having come from the privileged background that you came from having never done a job of work in your life right to have only really known privileged people and hung about in bougies you know, every single night of the week, picking up, you know, young Chelsea socialites called Chelsea. You know, what is, you know, what does he know? What right does he have to lecture us? Definitely. And also, can we just uh, put pay to all of these sweeping statements about an entire country being sort of systemically racist? I think there's a real problem with that. We all loathe racism. It is the most evil thing. Um, And and it exists everywhere. (laughs) Uh, But I think the danger is that if you call everybody racist, then you will enrage some people who who are not racist or don't think themselves to be racist, who then somehow, strangely, might become more xenophobic as a result of being told they're a racist. It's like the word fascist, isn't it? It just gets thrown around willy nilly. (laughs) It means nothing now. It's absolutely true. And you can't do anything more than to completely and utterly make the, the, the word 
irrelevant now because there's yeah. no point in anyone using it anymore because actual real racists are the same apparently as I am. I mean, I've been called racist by people who think that because I criticise Meghan Have Markle. Have you lived if you haven't been called yeah, racist? The exactly. thing is this narrative of calling decent people who are not racist racist is that, that, that is, that's great news for the far right. Yeah. And that is great news for the true racists yeah. who would like to organise and mobilise and create division in our society. This is music to their yeah, ears. Absolutely right. Who's your first nomination? I've got Nicola Sturgeon. It's got to be done. Who I realize, She made it last week as well, she, so it's two yeah. in a row for her. She, she's a candidate for life president of Planks of the Week, <laughs> yes. isn't she? Yeah, <laughs> you know she really is. But there should be an effigy of her on, on, on that back wall there. I'm surprised and, you know. there isn't a statue that's already been erected <laughs> in the middle of Butte Square or whatever it is, where, oh, she, where she does Butte House, you know. Now, she's an extremely skillful politician. Um, she is a little bit like the surgeon that's going to tell you uh, that she's going to chop your legs and arms off and you should be grateful for yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. You know? It's the best uh, thing they can do. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, her messaging around coronavirus has just been a, a non-stop bad news for the economy, uh, for the containment of the virus, which has not been great in Scotland at all. Lots of tragic deaths. Mm. Um, mm. And Worse care home results than, not, than ours in England. There you go. So right. she you know, hasn't been a result, but the messaging and the communication has. Boris, take note. Um, however, she is now considering uh, inflicting upon the good Scottish people a second national lockdown, a circuit breaker for two Friday weeks. Friday at seven o'clock. Yeah, fantastic. Apparently. Right. And uh, it is devastating. Now, first of all, uh, if, if this manoeuvre um, doesn't save the union, nothing mm. will. Because if she goes out on a limb and has this lockdown, inflicts more damage on the Scottish economy, the livelihoods and health of the yeah. Scottish people, um, then that's great news for Boris Johnson and unionists everywhere. And uh, history will judge her very harshly. She's having a good coronavirus at the moment because she's quite well, a good Well, you say that, but I'm, not, but I'm not sure. I mean, she's a bit like Donald Trump, is Nicola Sturgeon. I mean, people who really, really like the SNP mm. and independence are very much in love with her. She can do no wrong. But actually, there's a middle ground of sort of floating voters who are quite keen on independence, but who are now going off her at a rate of knots because of what she's doing. I just think the way that she is threatening the Scottish people every day with more and more restrictions, tighter restrictions, and the way she talks about it as if, you know, she's in total control of yeah. their lives. And it's, it's quite frightening because she's definitely, a, definitely got a strong authoritarian streak to her. Yeah. She's like a little despot. Oh, no, she loves it. Yeah. And she just loves it. She'd love it. to be Can you imagine if she was, yeah, if she were president of Scotland, which must be her dream, um, God knows what she'd do. Yeah, she's the ultimate bureaucrat. She, yeah, is, she, ultimate. Is, she is a sort of the head librarian of all Scotland. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's funny because I used to know her actually quite well. You know, we used to drink champagne together in Regano's right? in Glasgow. Yeah, because she was part of the SNP when Alex Salmon was the leader. Mm. She was Glasgow representative. I was the editor of a newspaper up there. You know, we had a couple of dinners. She was very funny, actually. But I don't know what's happened to her. You know, there was a time when we would still exchange the odd message. That's all gone. That hasn't happened for about two years, you know. And she's clearly gone mad. She's well, become power crazed. Well, that's right. And, and actually, she started to believe all her own publicity. If you, if you uh, are a politician at this moment in time, you need to not be thinking in the moment. You need to look at the bigger picture. You need to look a year from now and imagine the state that your economy will be in and whether or not history has proven you uh, to have been correct on the science of COVID. So if we talk about this circuit breaker, this second lockdown, mm. um, the idea is to buy more time. Buy more time for what? For, what? for yeah. the virus to kick off again. Right. Further into the cold yeah. winter months, uh, possibly adding to the pressure on the NHS also, should the people one thing have we, symptoms. The one thing we know, right, is that the, the, the lockdowns don't work. You know, I've, I've been yep. repeating this ad nauseum for the past week that 11 out of 16 local lockdown uh, places in Britain where it's been done have actually increased their infection rate by a factor of two. 
So they've doubled, right? So it doesn't yeah. actually work. There's no point to well, it. And but I they keep think... saying things like, we don't want to do it, but it's the only uh, alternative. Yeah. Well, I think, I think, obviously uh, it's not, is it? I think Mrs Sturgeon has gifted Boris Johnson an opportunity to pivot on COVID-19, mm. uh, to recalibrate. And, and yes, you know, I, I don't think, to use his terms, that we should let rip with the virus. But what we do need to do is take that exclusive tunnel vision focus of COVID-19 uh, onto the wider plane of the health of the economy. Because we know if you crash the economy into a brick wall, you create poverty and poverty kills. So but this is why we actually need an opposition who are willing to actually stand up for civil yeah. liberties and for the economy. Mm. A left-wing opposition should be thinking about the economy, should be thinking about jobs, should be thinking of the working class, and they're not. All yeah. they're doing is going along with whatever restrictions Boris Johnson says, and their only advice is go harder, go longer. You yeah. know, it's literally, it's infuriating. Yeah. And the way Nicola Sturgeon has treated students is just outrageous. Yeah. Just lying to them and then changing the goalposts and, oh, infuriating. Well, somebody, somebody put out a list of what SNP failings the other day and it was endless. You know, all the way back to the exam results, which were worse, handled worse by John Swinney than ours were by Gavin mm. Williamson, which is saying something, by the way. <laughs> right? But just ridiculous. And there's no opposition in Scotland at all. No. I mean, you might say Sir Keir Starmer is not very good, but there's no one in Scotland. I don't even know the name of the guy who's in the Tory party who's running it at the moment. Yeah. You know, Ruth Davidson's yeah. moved off to the House of Lords. Yeah. Douglas um, Ross, yeah. Is that his name? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, you know, the guy, up... Let's not forget the guy who was about to do the budget uh, and was then uh, forced to resign on account of having sent some rather unsavoury texts to a 16-year-old boy. You know, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Yeah, Scotland deserves better. Uh, I think so. It, it's a shocking I thing. really wish I was still back working for the Mirror up there. You would have so much fun. I mean, locking up students, as you say, was it's an absolute disgrace. Crazy. And I can tell you, I spent four happy years as an undergraduate at the University of Edinburgh. I would not want to be locked up in the Pollock Halls of Residence because oh I can God. tell you they're very uncomfortable. And it's a very narrow bed, which absolutely gave me merry well, hell with my lower back. Up with, but that's another story. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah. There was, was barely enough space for me. Look at the size on me. Yeah. True. Did you fit in the bed seat? You know? It'd be like a crane fly, sort of, you know, squeezed Luckily, around. Luckily, Mike, you know. I never had to test the dimensions of that bed. Thankfully. So. Thank, thanks enough uh, information <laughs> about that. Thank you very much. I'll check the, so slightly. Yeah, I'll check the, uh, the Leith police later. Um, I'm going to go for another Scott. Margaret Ferrier has to be in there, mm. even though it happened a while ago. It happened last week. Uh, it was last Monday, in fact, I think, so over a week ago. But this is the SNP MP, who's still, by the way, an MP. You know, she hasn't resigned because apparently there's no mechanism by which she can be forced to leave her job. Well, why not? What? Is what I yeah. want to know. You know, yeah. Nicola Sturgeon has basically told her to resign. Um, Ian Blackford has, as far as I know, just suspended her from the parliamentary party. So she's now technically no longer an SNP MP. She's an independent but there is no mechanism, apparently, for her to have to leave office. Now, it might be that there's a police investigation which finds some reason to charge her with something. And at that point, surely, she would have to be recalled. But this is a woman who woke up one morning, decided that she felt a bit unwell um, and thought she might have coronavirus. So what did she do? She didn't uh, immediately go to a testing centre. Instead, she decided to get on a train and travel all the way down to London. And then she thought, I feel a bit better now, so maybe I'll just go into the House of Commons. But before that, maybe I'll get a test just to make sure I'm OK. And so she gets the test done, doesn't get the results straight away, goes into the House of Commons, meets a few people, I believe goes into the chamber, you yeah. know, has some tea with some people, mm. and then comes back out, realises that her test is positive, so decides not to stay in the flat or the house where she is in London, which we pay for. She decides to get another train. Before that, I think she went to church, she went to a gym. She went literally, I mean, talk about super spreader. This woman has been everywhere. Now, you might say, well, so what? You know, maybe nobody will die as a result of what she did. But if the SNP is going to be telling people 
like students yeah. to not move a muscle literally for two weeks. They're going to lock down every single bar in Glasgow and Edinburgh and Aberdeen and tell people they can't make any money. But this woman can get to travel around as much mm -hmm. as she likes and do whatever she likes without fear or favour. It's extraordinary to me. Yeah, and this is a woman who... I remember was calling very loudly for Dominic Cummings to go, which right. uh, was picked up by the press this week as well. Um, just the hypocrisy. He's absolutely right. There must surely be, or we must get uh, and, and, and sort of pressure them to, to bring in some form of sanction by the parliamentary <clears throat> powers that be. Yeah. I understand the, the, you know, the premise of saying, well, you're technically elected by your constituents. But actually, in the system we have, that's not true, because she wouldn't have been elected if she wasn't standing for the SNP. Well, Had she been standing I, I, as an independent, she wouldn't have got in. I beg to differ. I, I actually rail against the cancel culture. And because I uh, really regret the fact oh, that I whenever... I certainly don't want her to be, you know... <laughs> no. I, I don't like Hold up by the, the fact <laughs> that if somebody uh, makes a mistake or a misjudgment that they should automatically lose their job. So therefore, to avoid the risk of hypocrisy, I'm going to say it's a matter of honour for her to stand yeah, down. But she clearly has no honour. It's now a week later and she's still there. Possibly so. Uh, possibly, so I'm afraid your system, while admirable, is useless. Well, that's it. But, but I suppose what you would want is a, certainly a sincere apology. I mean, I think she has spoken yeah, in, fact, in I mean, somewhat... I would be less concerned if she was not being paid by the public purse, but mm. she is. Mm. So therefore, three of us and others are contributing to not only her uh, very well... Uh, holst well, upholstered salary, but also her expenses. I, I assume we're I paying for a second home in London, for I example. I think she should quit, but I don't think she should be obliged to quit. Ultimately, we live in a democracy, and the good news is that in four years' time, she's toast. Yeah, but how can you be in a job where you can't be fired? Name me any other job. I can't think well, of one. if you've broken the law, I mean, ultimately, she will have to pay some enormous fine, potentially, and there is a Met police well, investigation. Well, Jeremy Corbyn got away with it, didn't he? Yeah. Very, very true. He didn't true. get a fine. No, and we didn't know that he had more than six friends. So, Well, apparently they weren't friends. They were all working on some Maoist uh, film project. <laughs> because I don't you know, know if I speak for anyone else. <laughs> Is that right? No, no, I don't know. I've just made that up. <laughs> I don't know if I speak for anyone else in the country. <laughs> I'd like to see that. Why are you laughing at that? <laughs> the Maoist film project. So it's going to be good, isn't it? Oh, it's got to be. Yeah. It's going to be very entertaining. <laughs> Jeremy Corbyn as Chairman Mao. <laughs> Yeah, wouldn't be too much of a stretch, I don't think. That wouldn't be very much of a stretch at all. Um, but yeah, I don't know if I speak for many other people apart from myself, but I'm so tired of these stories about this MP having, you know, not stayed within the rules on this yeah. occasion and mm. then this person. I just don't know if I have any outrage left because I just yeah. think that the rules are just so over the top. Well, I think you're right. I just want exactly. to go back and I, to normal. And, yeah. But the hypocrisy yeah. winds me up, but also the faux outrage from the sort of commentariat yeah. also winds me up yeah, so no, much. Listen, I take that point and, and you're right because the rules are ridiculous, but these are the people that are yeah. making us And the SNP is so controlling. And the SNP is very controlling. So you have yeah. to, you know, you cannot make rules for some one group of people and then not follow them at all. And it's not <coughs> as if, you know, I mean, I was not that bothered about what Dominic Cummings did, not because I support Dominic Cummings, because I don't. I think he's a bit weird, to be yeah. honest. But this woman um, <laughs> didn't just get in a car and drive her family somewhere. She went on two separate trains. She went to her place of work. She went to a church. She went to a gym. You know what I mean? I mean, it's well, a slightly well, different kind of And actually, you know, I consider myself to be a lockdown sceptic. I think there is a scientific case to answer for the national lockdown that we had in March. Uh, I'd love a uh, cost-benefit analysis of, you know, by, by the time we get to the end of the pandemic, was it worth all of that economic destruction? Was it worth shutting down the National Health Service uh, and turning it into the National COVID service? And those are all... Um, questions that will rightly be up for grabs, you know, post-pandemic. And of course, as you know, I'm not that keen on masks. 
But this, <laughs> this woman has, has crossed the line, even if you're a lockdown sceptic, because she has essentially known that she had COVID-19 and she's gone about her daily life. And that is deeply wrong. Absolutely yeah. right. Time for your second nominee. So my second nominee is an actor, Dominic West. Oh, yes. Who um, probably best known for starring in The Wire, I believe. Possibly. I haven't really. He was brilliant in The Wire as well. It's such a shame because I thought there's two people in The Wire who you think are American. One is Idris Elba, who plays a drug dealer, and the other one is Dominic West, who plays this kind of slightly mad Irish American drunk police officer. And they're both brilliant. And they both sound American. And you watch it and you think, these guys Mm. are brilliant. They're American. They're not. Well, all these actors end up letting us down, don't they, when they they engage in politics. Anyway, he went live on Good Morning Britain and couldn't contain his excitement or, or delight at the fact that President Trump had gone down with coronavirus. I think he said, I did slightly leap in the air yeah. with joy. And do you know what said. was the worst thing about it was he was saying it to Kate Garraway. Well, yeah, exactly. And Kate Garraway's husband yeah. is in a coma practically and has been since about March and is at yeah. death's door. And she's in bits about that. And I, mean, I don't know if he, like, if he knew that or if he just... Yeah, as I said, couldn't contain himself. It was just so... I think it was beyond Plankish, to be honest. Plank is probably letting him off a bit yeah. bit lightly. But, I mean, you know, it shows you the, how idiotic these people yeah, are. Yeah, I mean, they're so idiotic. And it was. I think another person who I nominated for a Plank at some point was uh, Miriam Margulies, yes. who did exactly the same thing when it came With to Boris, Boris Johnson, Johnson yeah. except I think she wished death upon him. Right. But the problem is, is that these people are so immune from being sort of cancelled or losing their gigs with the BBC or with Netflix or whatever, mm-hmm. because, you know, they're taking the sort of, uh, well, the fashionable view, right? Imagine if that was a Tory who'd say, oh, I wish, I don't know, or if it was Keir Starmer who'd come down with coronavirus mm. and they'd said, oh, I wish him dead or I leapt with joy. It just wouldn't happen. No. And if it did, they'd be, you know, well, they'd be told no, off. No, it's just <laughs> horrific. And he was, he was one of the more sort of, I would suppose, high profile people because yeah. he appeared on TV and said it. But there's another woman uh, who I spotted who I hadn't heard of before called Zara Rahim who is a former uh, Hillary Clinton um, sort of campaign manager. She would have been, as it was pointed out to me, if Hillary Clinton had won uh, four years ago, she would have been in the White House. She would have been part of the Hillary Clinton team. She actually did wish him dead. She wrote a tweet that said, do you know what? I hope he dies. On a human level, it's it's cruel, um, but it's actually anti-democratic as well, because in the end... You know, Donald Trump uh, achieved an astonishing, unprecedented, surprising victory yeah. in 2016. He might just do it again in 2020. And uh, I- I'm not comfortable with this abuse of any public figure. Boris has had it. Jeremy Corbyn had it. Lots of people have had it. And I think that we have to call off the dogs and start to actually support anybody that's yeah. been elected. So like, I-, I didn't like Jeremy Corbyn, but if he'd won the election... I w- would have got behind the project because we would live you? in a what? democracy. Oh, God. Have. I would have, yeah. I'd have left the country. Might yeah. have gone to Scotland. I would, yeah, no, I would have definitely emigrated because you figure this building would have been shut down for a start. There'd be no work here because, you know, so. I'm afraid the media you didn't like would have been shut down. Because it would have been like Pravda. All of those lefties that said, you know, that they were going to leave the country, they haven't, have they? No. Since Boris also, Johnson you know, well, I mean, yeah. the, the trouble also now, and you've illustrated it well, is you don't have to either get behind or hate. You know, there is a middle ground where you can disagree with the pl- politics it. of a ge- of a person <laughs> or be indifferent, uh, but but not hate them. And you, you don't know. defeat your opponents by hoping they'll die. That's you know, just between Jeremy Corbyn and I, so Jeremy Corbyn <laughs> hates me because of the job that I do and who I work for. I don't hate Jeremy Corbyn. Yeah. I just think he's a massive plank. Mm. And I'm very glad he didn't become prime minister. And he was useless as a leader of the Labour Party. But I don't hate the guy. It looks like you know. Trump has had the last laugh, though, doesn't it? It seems like he's recovered. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's beat the virus, so uh, well, good for here's, him. Here's the other thing, which is, um, in some ways, I don't know if there's a little bonus point for somebody that's not a plank, but 
I had to agree with Donald Trump when he said that we shouldn't be so afraid of COVID-19 yeah. um, and get on with our lives. Well, nobody and I thought, amen to that. Well, nobody criticised Rishi Sunak for saying it. Yeah. But apparently Trump can't say it. It's yeah. like Trump's the only person that can be blamed for getting coronavirus. Mm. You know, you wouldn't go to anyone else who's ever been uh, infected with the diseases. It's your fault. You yeah. got it because you're completely reckless and you didn't think about how dangerous this was. Why? Well, that's right. I mean, we honestly have not had a proper debate around the COVID measures, and that's a deep concern. Well, we may we have that have coming debate. up. We may have that coming up here on Plank of the Week. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Because it's time for your second nomination. I will offer you Boris Johnson. There we are. Prime Minister. So now it's time for that debate. Yeah. If it had been written in the Conservative Party manifesto in December 2019 that we would all be locked up for months on end, uh, not be able to meet our families under various circumstances, have our businesses closed down, have jobs disappear um, and borrow, you know, upwards of half a trillion pounds uh, based upon what is debatable science at best, if not wrong science, as is emerging, um, then he obviously would not have had his landslide victory. Now, in fairness, I think it's a bit unfair to blame him for the <laughs> coronavirus that came out of Wuhan, Well, China. I think we can blame him for the measures. Now, early doors, it's not a problem. We all accepted the lockdown in March. The virus didn't have a name last year. Um, but as time has gone by, first of all, we, w- we were told it was a few weeks just to kind of, you know, save the NHS to make sure it wasn't overwhelmed. And it has gone on and on and on. And now we won't even be celebrating Christmas. And I'm just disappointed that this... Uh, free-spirited, enterprising, libertarian figure in Boris Johnson has betrayed all of his own values, um, A, by listening to this echo chamber of scientists that he's got at number 10, who are the prophets of doom and gloom in the forms of uh, witty and valence, but also not doing his job. If you're prime minister, you have to be 360. You have uh, uh, some of your time is devoted to COVID-19 and the pandemic, but you must think about the economy. You must think about un 
diagnosed other illnesses which are piling up. And in the end, I think it's dereliction of duty. And I think he's a worthy candidate for Plank of the Week. I think he has been worthy for about the last two or three weeks. Yeah, I think so. And what's so frustrating for those who are, well, libertarian minded like myself, is the fact that we know we we know Boris Johnson. We know what he was like as a journalist. He was so freedom-minded. Can you imagine what he'd be writing right yeah. now if he was still writing for The Spectator, still writing for The Telegraph? Yeah. He'd be sticking the boot in. He'd be, let's get rid of this lockdown, let people live, let them make their own decisions. And that's what we need. We don't need this regulation of our lives. Just let people make their own decisions, look after the vulnerable 100%. and get on with it. But in his speech today, he made the first kind of reference to his own experience, didn't he? Because he mm. said, you know, some people out there are saying it's because of my brush with death that I've become this completely different individual. Then started spouting on about how he had, was not completely different mm. and he was exactly the same. And I mean, it sounded quite good at the beginning, but then he kind of went off on this weird tangent of, you know, something out of, uh, what's that uh, that movie um, that, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, the, you know, the TV, the, the, the movie about the, TV, the guy who's living inside a TV show. Oh, The Truman the Show. The Truman Show. It was like something out of The Truman Show where he's yeah. talking about people just cycling around happily, very undivided nation. Yeah, yeah. You know, everybody's having a great time. Everybody's thin. Yeah. Um, you know, they've all got great broadband and there's a load of windmills floating oh, around in the sea. What we're going to do, we've had all of these businesses that closed down, all these jobs that are gone. It's yeah. no problem. We're going to have new businesses and new jobs. Right. And I took a caller to drive yesterday who actually called me out on, on, on not challenging my guest on that yeah. particular issue. He's like, well, wait a minute. I'm a painter and decorator. How am I going to retrain for something yeah. else? Yeah, it's exactly. not that simple. Well, he's not going to just suddenly be able to start uh, becoming a marine engineer, planting yeah. you know hundreds yeah. of of, of, uh, of turbines in the middle of the sea, yeah. you know at a depth yeah, of two thousand feet. They're peddling a myth. They're peddling a yeah. lie. In fact, it's snake oil. It's bollocks, is what it is. I'm afraid <laughs> there's no other word for it. You know, and it's just not. It's not believable. Bolloxios. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly this right. Diet stuff just wise me up so much. So he's lost twenty six pounds. Yeah. Well, whoop de doo whoop for you. Yeah. Doesn't well mean done. the whole nation needs to be. Well, needs to have their sugar tax. Maybe, maybe you can bring out, maybe you can bring out the Boris Johnson cookbook for uh, you know for Christmas. You can just imagine it, him and Carrie. Yeah. Just sort of can I just say? How to make a vegan cake? I, I think Boris has has gone downhill since the weight loss. I think we should bring back Fat Boris. He doesn't look great, I have to say. I mean, he still looks kind of haunted. I think he has got that long COVID they talk about. He doesn't appear to be particularly healthy, yeah. even he though he's now threatening to sort of arm wrestle anybody that wants to have a go. It's like. Just get on with running the country and, and have a drink. Following on from our conversation about Donald Trump, um, we wish him well. And thank goodness he, he got through his uh, awful health well, ordeal. Well, we hope he's got through it. He yeah. may still have a bit of time <laughs> no, to go. And there's two things to say. <laughs> if, come out if, tomorrow. If, he, if he doesn't have the appetite, like if he's lost faith with high office or if he doesn't feel well enough, then he has a duty to stand down and let someone else do that job. And there's a guy next door. Uh, very nimble-footed, mm. and who has had a good coronavirus, if you can have such a thing, which is Rishi Sunak. So many of his economic innovations have come off, uh, possibly been too successful in case of Eat Out to help out, because yeah. cases have gone up. But um, I think what we're talking about here is leadership. His political hero is Winston Churchill. Now, how did Winston yeah, Churchill... Yeah, but that's getting a bit tired now, isn't it? Well, I know it is. <laughs> I mean, he's about as much like Winston Churchill as I am. Correct. You know, he might as well stop saying it. Yeah, no, that's right. He's more like the Churchill dog from the insurance act. That's too easy, too easy. You know, <laughs> but, I'm not letting you away with that. No, exactly. That's a comedian. Was, that was hack. That was yeah, hack that, comedy. Yeah. Well, do you know why, you see? Because the comedy circuit's been shut for six months, so I've, lo- I've lost my touch. <laughs> Use it or lose it. Absolutely right. That is all, now, but, but, but let me just uh, very importantly tell you that I think that um, if, you, if you look at what Churchill, his hero, did uh, in defeating Hitler... It was, he didn't go on a diet. Well, sure. well, the first thing he didn't do is he didn't he didn't conduct a. No, he, didn't. he didn't turn up and go. Great news! I've lost no. twenty four pounds. In you fact, know, meanwhile, the Nazis no. are at Dover. 
In fact, somebody should send a consignment <laughs> of burgers and hot dogs over to number 10 so we can get the old Boris back. Yeah. And maybe but not after some, 10 o'clock, because they'll be fine. Just think about that. Our Prime Minister is talking about his weight loss. I know. I mean, Jesus. But, but, but. So. You know, yeah, Holly Willoughby. Yeah, he's going to do one of those. He'll be on one of those makeover uh, segments on this morning. Just take where, a baby and look. Well, do what, it, yeah. me. Yeah. So do it. But anyway, it's very important. I get this point across, which is that uh, what, what, we saw with, what we saw with Churchill yeah. was that he was very brave as a wartime mm. leader. And he made tough choices. And uh, what he couldn't do he was, was save every life. He was time as well, apparently. Well, he was a bit. <laughs> but in the end, uh, in, in, some people question Churchill's legacy for the fact that many of the battles were, were rather ill-conceived and there was an awful lot of perhaps unnecessary bloodshed. There's the debate around Dresden. No, no, what? They want battles without bloodshed now. Is well, the there you thing? go. Well, this is exactly Dear the point. Dear God. And exactly, what are they Mike? teaching people? So what you've got is a prime minister who's trying to, I would say, deliver more or less a COVID zero strategy. And the Which reason is unobtainable. why it's unobtainable. Never in history have we tried to stop a virus mm. before. Um, contain it. Absolutely. Like in Sweden, where they washed their hands and kept a distance. No face coverings, no lockdowns, kept their schools, businesses open. They've seen an 8% correction in their economy. We've had 20% mm. and the rest. Uh, he has to be brave and he ha- has to pivot now. His entire political career depends on it. If he doesn't change course and go for Sweden, then he will... Well, I think he'll be gone within a year. OK. Well, that's a bold prediction. Mm. You may well be right, but I we shall you see. you may well be right. We'll you may, we shall see. Well, we might all be gone by next year this time if uh, nothing changes, because we'll have run out of food, we yeah. won't have any money, you know, we'll be crawling around on the streets trying to figure out how to get by, because we don't have any f- fuel either, you know. Well, do you know what's interesting, actually? This focus on COVID-19 and the tragic death toll... Um, that's actually where the politics are, because in the end, what Hancock and Johnson are thinking is that their entire legacy and how they'll be judged by history is on that figure of the COVID death toll. Yeah. So in fact, Which isn't even accurate. Well, no. no. So we're actually all sort of bystanders, passengers, uh, not in uh, the management of health crisis, but, but a political project. Mm. COVID-19 has become the political project of Boris Johnson, and we are all hostages to that fortune. It's true. I agree. I'm going to go with an old foe of mine, The Guardian, for my second oh, one. Because, are they uh, still going? They are still going. <laughs> um, they might as well stop producing the newspaper, though, because it has uh, fewer sales than the first hour of my show, quite mm. frankly. And so what they do do, though, is they put loads of stuff out which is not actually fit to go in the paper, and it goes out online, because they have got a massive online presence, right? It still doesn't yeah, make huge. any actual money, because they're a, an operation, of course, which doesn't pay any tax, because they're the Scott Trust, and they don't need to pay any tax, because they're do-gooders, right? But they put out a list uh, today of the top 100 black people, and it includes people like Monroe Bergdorf, who is a transgender model and artist. I mean, I don't know much about uh, Bergdorf. I know I used to know a shop in America called Bergdorf Goodman's uh, where I bought a couple of nice uh, shirts and some nice suits. But they haven't put in Sir Trevor MacDonald, right? Who you'd have to say is one of the great advantages of um, British sort of, you know, life, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, he's one of 100%. the guys that was one of the most famous news. I think he was the first black newsreader for ITN. Yeah. You know, he was famous for his sign-offs. He was famous for his, you know, sort of... I'm um, just, uh, I don't know, the, the, the sort of the, the, the solemnness that he brought to reading the news. Definitely. And then he, after that, he did some uh, very good documentaries. Correct. He's not in it. Ainsley Harriet is also not in it yeah. because uh, apparently he's not either black enough what, or, one of the original or TV chefs. wing enough, one of the first black TV chefs and yeah. still on television. And still entertaining I've people. got all, uh, an Ainsley Harriet waffle iron at home and it's, it's a great bit of kit. A what? 
A waffle iron. I bet it is. What yeah. is that? I mean, that doesn't get you onto Great Britain's nothing yeah. well. Well, you know what waffles are, don't you? Yeah. Waffles are, you know, so oh, you call it a waffle iron. iron. So it's like oh. how you make a, you mm. use a waffle iron to make waffles. Anyway, that's <laughs> enough of that. Irrelevant. Um, Trevor Phillips, Trevor Phillips, who you mentioned yeah. earlier, he's not any either. You know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of, sorry to go back to Megan, I'm not obsessed. <laughs> the Vogue cover that she did. Yes. And she chose her, what, top 10 uh, women. Yeah. And they were all, you know, very minor, right. like, you know, um, transgender. Like Margaret Thatcher. Models and things. You wouldn't expect her to be. But you know, the other thing that's annoying me here is Dawn Butler is also in as one of the the hundred top like Britons. And I mean, Dawn Butler, I'm afraid, whether you like her or don't like her, she's only really famous for one thing, and Mm. that's for getting caught in a video sort of scenario making her own video trying to make out the police have been victimising her. Um, And then nothing happened because the police hadn't done anything wrong. Yeah. And And where where she really went wrong is that she didn't release the whole video. She released a portion of the video. So it's impossible for us to give her a fair hearing on this one if we don't have all the evidence. So this is the usual Guardian twisting of the truth. You know, I mean, make up your own list if you like, but don't make out that it is a definitive list which they're doing because they're doing it under the auspices of the Guardian masthead. You know, mm. it's not like Owen Jones, who was on it last week as Plague of the Week. You know, it's not like Owen Jones' top 100 black Britons, but, but it's just ridiculous. I would question why they're doing it at all. Yeah. Why should we be having lists of people based on their race or gender, as in the yeah. case of Meghan? I'm just sick of it. I think no. people are sick of it. Let's just have top 100 Britons. Yeah. Do we want people from different ethnicities to feel 100% but British? Is, exactly. Yes. But, so Exactly. But this and is you could trouble. easily fill that list with, with amazing black British people. Exactly. But what you don't have to do is create this tokenism, which no. somehow is strangely, although it perhaps comes from the right place, is very divisive and probably will backfire. It probably will, it because you can people. imagine. Yeah, it does annoy people. But they're only, they don't care if they annoy the what they call the wrong mm. people. Like Lord Boateng, who was one of the first black ministers in any government, you know, he's not in it either because obviously he's from the wrong side of the political divide. Yeah. And that's the problem. And that's the worry about these Are lefties. any of the black politicians in, the, in it? Well, you mean apart from Dawn Butler? Apart from Dawn Butler. I think, I, I think they missed out Diane Abbott as well. Um, <laughs> but I mean, Diane Abbott, as, as I was told by Esther Cracker earlier on today, should be in it because yeah, she, she was yeah. one of the first black MPs, yeah. black female MPs. And that is yeah. actually something to be proud of. But I don't yeah. think Dawn Butler's going to Yeah, she was actually a trailblazer. Yeah, exactly right. So I'm afraid the Guardian, straight on the plank list, they haven't been on it for a while. Um, I managed to avoid ripping it up today just because I thought, <laughs> you know, because I couldn't find it in the paper. That was the only reason. Yeah. So back to, your, online. back to your final nomination. It's going to get really expensive because they'll stop having a print run and you'll have to break a laptop every time. <laughs> So it's sort of similar to Mark's, but it's going to be Matt Hancock. But mm. I'll give a little different angle because I was going to go with how appalling the strategy has been. But I think what's been so plankish about it and what's actually affected me personally is the way that he's ramped up this hysteria and the public are buying into it and mm. the public are scared. And I think they genuinely are scared. And it's brought out the most awful authoritarian tendencies in the public. The other day, as, uh, as Mike mentioned on his show, I, did. I was uh, standing in an outdoor platform, totally on my own, sipping a coffee before my train arrived, out in the air, you know, no one was there. Some woman makes a beeline for me, asks me very aggressively in my face whether I'm exempt. Um, I say no, I'm waiting to, you know, get on the train before I put my mask on. And she, you know, calls me every name under the sun mm. and um, very aggressively. And I think this has happened before to me, less, less aggressively. But I think this is happening all over the country mm. now because people are either scared or it's just brought out their, yeah. their, you know, their authoritarian tendencies. And I think... Yeah. 
people like Matt Hancock and to a less extent Boris Johnson are so responsible for this. And also the mainstream media as mm. well, people like Piers Morgan, right. who could be a plank this week too. But just whipping up this well, sort of... Well, if you listen to another radio station which does not ever get mentioned by me, but I refer to it as the dark side, <laughs> they have people actually saying, as presenters... Well, of course, it's the right thing to do to wear a mask. You know, I mean, you got into trouble because yeah. you actually stood up to these, you know, bullies who basically say that you must wear a mask. They have no idea whether you must wear a mask or not. They don't yeah. know if it does any good. Like like you, I wear a mask if I'm on the, yeah. the London Underground, yeah. but I didn't used to wear it until I got on the train. Now I have to wear it from the moment I walk into the station. I don't use it anymore. No. I don't go to the, I don't use First the tube. I'm back other, in the car. Other radio and television platforms sound like an extension of the number 10 press office. And I can't yes, it's believe, so strange, isn't it? you know, and I'm very proud that at Talk Radio, we're outliers in willing, being willing to have a conversation about a discussion about all of the COVID measures. And the face coverings is interesting because it has created a lot of social division. And I think the face coverings have just got too much of a free pass. Mm. And I think the reason why is because there is an almost ideological mm. uh, attachment, a, a, a sort of religious fervour for face coverings yeah. now. Um, among a portion of the population that see it as the ultimate act of virtue signalling, yeah. I'm well, I'm going I'm trying to save lives. Well, which, which was finally sort of you know peak <laughs> craziness was when Donald Trump came out for his little drive-by with all the Secret Service agents who are mm. wearing they're all wearing masks. They're in a hermetically sealed car, which is bulletproof, which also has all sorts of screens between drivers and the passengers and all of that. Also, by the way, the Secret Service, whose job is to get in the way of a bullet if the <laughs> if the if the president mm. actually gets shot at, right? And suddenly, despite the fact they're all wearing masks, all the virtue singers are going, oh, he's put them all in danger. To which I said, well, yeah. if they're all wearing masks, how can they be in danger? Well, well, well I, maybe I, the masks I, don't I, work. I, so I think so. Which is it? We weren't wearing masks at the peak of this pandemic no, when the R rate was so months. high. Yeah, and what happened is we weren't wearing face coverings and the numbers went down and down and down. And, and I, by the way, I, I'm the ultimate sheep in that I, I wear a mask probably in more places than I have to. But I, I want us, stuff, I want us to debate uh, all of the measures. <laughs> well, maybe. It's quite an improvement, yes. as you'll agree. Uh, but in the end, um, we need to debate. We live in a, a democracy. We have free speech. And I think that Matt Hancock's hysteria around COVID-19, his focus, because all he's thinking about is his job. He's the health secretary. So in many ways, all credit to him for worrying about COVID. Um, but then other ministers like Rishi Sunak is thinking about the economy. Mm. And therefore, he's a little more hawkish when yeah. it comes to the lockdown measures. But he said if we allow COVID to rip through the country again, hundreds of thousands yeah. of people will die. Imagine. Think of the people who are sat at home who are genuinely anxious yeah. about this. Right. Like we're quite, you know, relaxed and, and free thinking in this respect. But there are so many people who are take this all at face value, are looking at these death toll figures being ramped up every day. And it's just, can we have some perspective? Yeah. I don't know what they're playing at. Perspective yeah. is what we need. And that's exactly right. When all the people were, uh, were banging on about, oh, my God, look, a million people have now died around the world. 60 million people die every year exactly. around the world. <laughs> yeah. So that's yeah. one week, effectively, of death. And the big thing is that you just have to understand that every COVID measure, even if you back it, comes at a price. And that is not in the national discourse at the moment. And we're not hearing it from the cabinet. So even the face coverings, if they work, which is a big if, we were told by months by Dr. Jenny Harris not to wear one. A new video today has emerged of uh, Dr. Hillary Jones, a guy I respect and admire, yeah. GMTV, or no, what is it called? GMB doctor. GMB now, yeah. Uh, but there's him down the barrel of the lens in March, imploring people not to wear a mask because the virus is so tiny, it just passes through the holes in in the mask you'd need us but you basically would have to look like you were a chernobyl road sweeper to actually be safe from covid <laughs> 
And uh, it raises a suspicion that perhaps the coverings and the lockdowns, you know, it's about controlling people and about creating fear. And in the end, the people will fight back. I think you're right. I hope we do. But at the moment, the British public are seeming a bit docile and a bit sort of willing to accept anything. I think they're getting more and more worked up, though. Mm. Who's your third one? I'm going to offer you Lawrence Fox. Oh, yes. Who I would imagine Who's is actually probably... a friend of this parish, well, so there you go. don't be too Careful. hard on him. Exactly. <laughs> don't be too hard on Probably him. a celebrated figure in, in, the, in the sort of universe of, of uh, Planks of the Week. Yes. And the reason why he's rightly celebrated I is do like because Lawrence. I he's, think he's, he's an intelligent guy. Yeah. He's been very courageous. He's, he's, he, you could say he's put his career on the line. You could say he has thrown his career away Yeah, but do you know, actor. if you watch what he actually said on that night's question time, yeah. he said nothing, nothing that was anything but innocuous. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking, if I got the wrong clip... <laughs> Because I thought, because I was, I was going to talk to him again. I think when he was coming to do a show with us, yeah. And I thought I'll just have another look at it and remind myself. And it was really innocuous, nothing at all that you would think anyone would get worked up about. No. And yet here he is, unemployable by any um, sort of acting fraternity, any acting organisation. Definitely, he's been really brave, and he has made a great contribution to the conversation um, around wokeism and cancel culture. And I actually ally myself to so much of what he's fighting for. Yeah. But unfortunately, a bit like the lockdown lunatics in Trafalgar Square who are cheering on David Icke and uh, Piers Corbyn, I feel that he went a little too far this week. He got on Twitter. I don't know if he was in vino veritas Mm. because you've got daytime Lawrence Fox and then you've got evening Lawrence Fox. You also fell into the trap. And I think since he's admitted, you can't really win with these people. Correct. If you start taking on the wokists they will take you down. That's it. Because that's what they do. Just don't bother. You Correct. know, it's Correct. really not worth fighting them. No, exactly. And I think that he's um, done his cause a disservice by uh, railing against a couple of online critics, calling them paedophiles. Now, he wasn't actually saying they were paedophiles. He was no. making a point. He was they, making a point. They were calling him racist, yeah. which he denied. And yeah. he's like, I might as well call you a And pedophile. he's not a racist. I can tell you that from, from no. absolutely personal no. experience. You know. No, no. Uh, well, the bottom line is that uh, everybody is allowed their opinion. Uh, however, I think that his his judgment was found wanting this week, was, which is why I'm going to put him on the I would, I would be more comfortable making Sainsbury's plank of the week, actually. <laughs> but, you know, that's what he was getting worked up about yeah. because they were creating safe spaces for black people, apparently virtually, once they get called out on it. Because everybody immediately, when they first read it, thought, does that mean you're creating spaces in your shops mm. for black people? Oh, no, no, no. It was only virtually. And also you go, well, why are you doing that? What's the point? You know, if people who feel vulnerable because of the colour of their skin, I don't think they're going to be looking on Sainsbury's website for a place to go, are they? I mean, it's so infantilising and patronising, but I think you're right. He has been a bit of a plonker this week. I mean, he's launched this new party... And it may have been a little sooner than he'd hoped, but launched this new party in the first week. He's seen calling people paedophiles on Twitter. Right. I mean, come is, on, Lawrence, you've yeah, got a good thing going. And, and I know that you'll probably say it's his own fault. He's brought it on himself. But I think you may have been goaded into it. And that's what worries me slightly. Yeah. So my apologies yeah. to Lawrence, but I'll, I'll accept your nomination. But Sainsbury's are worse. Yeah, Sainsbury's are also worse. Now, I'm going to go for something very unusual for my final planks of the week, because it's two women... Um, who went into a restaurant in uh, St Andrews called Ziggy's, which I don't know. I don't know whether you, how well you know St Not Andrews. Not familiar with Ziggy's? No. Uh, doesn't named sound after, like a very Scottish restaurant, Named after it? my dog. It doesn't sound particularly <laughs> Scottish, no. But these two women were Scottish. They had two kids with them. They went into this restaurant um, and they decided, like some people do, it'd be a great idea to try and get out without paying. So one of them takes the two kids and says, oh, I better take the kids out because they get a bit restless, uh, disappears off with the children. The other one then sits there on her own, asks for the Apple Pay uh, Apple Pay doesn't work, goes, oh, I'll have to go out and get some money from the cash machine. Is that all right? Then just does a runner, right? So 
not probably something that, that many restaurants have had to deal with recently, but but possibly it's something that, that you've seen people do yeah. um, in time. The trouble is that these two individuals, <laughs> unfortunately, had left their details earlier due to the track and trace regulations. Brilliant. So not only did they have their phone numbers, but they also had their email addresses <laughs> and their names. So they were able to call well, them. First of all, rare, rare evidence <laughs> that the track and trace system is worth having. Well, yeah. it's useless for spotting COVID. If they'd done it on the app, it probably wouldn't have worked. Of course not. This is the old-fashioned pen and ink scenario yeah. where yeah. you actually write it down on a piece of paper. That's proper plankish behaviour. It behavior. really is, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, how thick do you have to be? And the great thing is, is the restaurant people had a great sense of humour about it because they actually posted it all on Facebook, right, without naming the people and just told the whole story and said, this is like something out of the viz. Yes, because it, it really was. is. It really so, is. So absolute plankishness. I mean, I, I don't expect they'll win it, but it, I don't expect they'll be back in it ever again either. No. So we have now reached the point of no return. And I know you have to rush off and do something else. So we'll rush through the final bit. Uh, we've got nine. We need to get it to three. Wow. So why don't you pick your favourite... Mark Dolan plank. Okay. Emily? Was it Boris Give her the Johnson? three. I've got Boris, Loza and Nicola. Oh, you know what? I'm, was Boris on last week? He wasn't in the final three. OK, I'm going to go for Boris because he is... I, I wasn't impressed by his speech today. OK. So, Mark, <laughs> you, can, you can pick Margaret Ferrier, The Guardian... Or the St Andrews Thieves. Hmm. Well, crime never pays, so I'll take the St Andrews Thieves. St Andrews Thieves. Hospitality has been through enough it's already true. without people paying it's very their true. bills. Okay. And then I've got to pick your three. What are your three? Yeah. So it's Dominic West, uh, mm. Prince Harry, or Duke of Sussex, whatever. Oh, I, I think. And what's the other you one? Matt Hancock. Third, I think it's got to be Dominic West, isn't it? Very yeah. timely. Yeah. That's a good three, actually. So Dominic West, Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister, and the St Andrews Thieves. What do you reckon? Bring it on. A bit of sweet, poetic justice. I feel better having nominated those three this week. Yes. I think Dominic West should get it, personally. Only because uh, people thought that he wasn't a plank. He's a talented guy. Yeah. He may never be in it again. Yeah. I wonder he if he'll be, up I wonder there. if he will be blackballed in the same way that uh, Lawrence Fox was, and he won't ever get any more work. Somehow mm. I doubt he'll it. Get more, <laughs> he'll get more work. Yeah. He'll win an Oscar. He'll be the next James Bond. Yeah. yeah no, I think, I think you're right. I think that he's crossed the line with wishing death think, on, on yeah. somebody. Well, that's, that, I, you know. to be fair, he only jumped for joy. He didn't actually okay. wish death. But, right. but he also carries with him the guilt of all the others. Yeah. Let's who, do him. Let's do... Let's do Dominic West. Let's do, West. do Dominic West. And Boris is number two? I think so. Um, I, think, I think that Boris... Um, it's all very well making a good speech, but what you want from a general mm. is not a good speech, a good strategy. Yeah. Yes, no strategy, I no think plan. that's right. And Thick as Thieves is the uh, number three. Yeah. Very good. That's just brilliant. Well, thank you, everybody. Uh, Emily Carver and, of course, um, Mr. Mark Dolan. Uh, you'll be on uh, all week this week on the Drive Time Correct. Show. Plank of the week. It is, of course, the one and only man who jumped for joy when he heard that Boris, John uh, Boris, Boris Johnson, when he heard that Donald Trump uh, had been admitted to hospital for COVID. He jumped for joy. Dominic West, you're an absolute plank. Thank you very much indeed. We'll see you next week. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.